This is Christy Peterson Schoonover, author of Skeletons in the Swimming Hole, Tales from Haunted Disney World, and there's no wilder e-ticket ride than Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to TalkCast 153. It is the Wheel of Fish episode here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night for reasons that may or may not become evident as the evening bears on. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 451 book-burning pavilion, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex violent soundboard vixen with us once again, Kriana. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> from the stacks of her personal silent zone in the dank dungeon reading room she's cool, she's calm, she's collected she's carrying a gun, it's Zombrarian and this week for one week only, the silent zone is not the silent zone because it's banned book week next week and I'm excited and you should be too and we're going to tell you why and we're going to yell about banned books are yes we, we are which is kind of why it's Wheel of Fish Week episode. Every night. librarian's favorite holiday. <laughs> <laughs> From the four color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, a man with a hand and a plan and a can and a comic book man. It's Illustrator X. The Florida horse conch can engorge itself to 12 pounds in size. Okay. Just okay. That's a buck in the creepy jar. Yeah, right that's $60 <laughs> hey, if, it, if we're going to do banned books, i got to contribute somehow. Yeah, you just a buck in the creepy jar. Sitting beside him and now evidently putting Purell on her hands. <laughs> it is the dead redhead. I think I need it on my hands, my legs, my head, everywhere. <laughs> scientific name is Triplifusus gigantus. Smack him! Thank you. Joining us tonight is a friend of the show. She's a, a wonderful writer, and she is our newlywed, Christy Peterson Schoonover. Hi, Christy! Hello, I'm pouring a Gatsby-sized cocktail as we're talking right now. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Christy's here to talk about her new book. She's here to talk about her new husband. She's here to talk about... Oh, oh that's going to be interesting. Oh, boy. We're going there. We're just going right for it. <laughs> Christy, you can also tell him to put money in the creepy jar just so we get that straight right off the bat. Oh, well, there's probably no limit to how creepy I can be. I wouldn't go too far with that one. <laughs> well, I, I think you're creepy in a completely different way, though. But you see, you're absolutely wrong. There's a simpatico going on here, and I'm working towards it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there's something. Christy's joining us to talk about Band Book Week. Uh, 
She's joining us to talk about her coming up appearances at Rock and Shock in Worcester, Massachusetts and Rhode Island Comic Con and uh, her new book, which is coming out very, very soon. Yep, it actually, it is out. <gasps> yep, Ooh, it is out. Soon. It was just published on Thursday. The publisher, in fact, gave me a call today and, uh, you know, asked me where they could ship my copies. So I think you guys will be getting some copies soon. Oh, no. Oh yeah! No. Wow. <laughs> I know you don't want to read it. You'll you'll just have to have a cocktail and get through it. What can I say? I think we can do that. Christy, Christy, I just finished your po uh, the, your short story in the Poe anthology, and I got to tell you, it was probably one of the best things in the entire book. So, thank you. It was very creepy, and I think very <laughs> topical. So, people go out thank and you. find the Edgar Allan Poe anthology. Yeah, there's yeah, not many. Yeah, in Poe's shadow, but thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So. That was a really good story. I'll so, have to talk about that when it's time to interview me. I'll tell you, that, that story actually took 20 years to get to the page, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, Go on, Dome. Oh, yep. okay. Can we... <laughs> Dome is back. You know what? I'm going to sit and listen for most of this. <laughs> Because, you know, this is just too much fun. I want to start the show and talk about one of the other uh, friends of the show, Doug Jones, who uh, uh, was in the premiere of The Neighbors this week on, on ABC. Uh, and it was, quite frankly, enjoyable as hell. And it won its time slot. So, wow. applause, applause. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in season three of Falling Skies as well. Uh, in other TV news this week, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles come to TV this week the way we want them to be, not as aliens, as mutants, and living in the sewers. Yeah, with the same high-quality animation. Well, you can't have everything. Where would you put it? Yeah. Anyhow, it'll be on Saturdays on Nickelodeon, and the animation leaves a little bit to the weirdness but Sean Astin and Jason Biggs, Rob Paulson, Samwise Gamgee, <laughs> and May and Whitman as April O'Neil. Uh, so speaking you know, of before, banned books, has the Lord of the Rings trilogy been challenged, Lumberian? Not very often. It not often enough to make uh, top ten or top one hundred lists. Gee, because like Frodo and Sam, they were all like, "Hello." They were. Seriously? Yeah. Hello. Have you read? Actually, wait. Dome has never actually read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That is absolutely. Wasn't J.R.R. Tolkien like a minister or something? Yeah, no. ministers have the dirtiest minds. C.S. Lewis was. He was a college was, professor. No, C.S. Lewis wasn't either. No. Oh dear! Kind of all right, all right, all right, Zombrian. We're making shit up now. We probably should. Wait a minute. Quick, quick Wait a history minute. lesson on the Inkling, Zombrian, and go. Wait, what? Quick history lesson on the Inklings, Zombrian. Lesson on the Inklings. The Inklings consisted of Charles Williams, who is the least well known, C.S. Lewis, and J.R.R. Tolkien. They were all professors. Um. Oh shoot! I forget where. 
think somewhere Oxford. fancy in England, Oxford or Cambridge, one of those. I think Tolkien <laughs> taught at Oxford. That, that's... Tolkien talks I think yeah, I think Tolkien taught taught at Oxford and the other two taught at Cambridge. Um and Charles Williams worked for Cambridge University Press, actually. Anyway, all three of them would get together and discuss their writing and it kind of shows in the way that themes leak over and ideas leak over. Um and honestly, to be fair, J.R.R. Tolkien was the worst writer of any of them. He was the best world builder. He had the coolest ideas out of any of the three of them. The poor man was just a terrible writer. To be fair, he considered you himself heard it here, ladies to be and fair, he considered himself a linguist. He did consider we himself a linguist. He he thought he was a professor of linguistics and he was far more interested in the linguistics and the history that he developed for Lord of the Rings than he was in the story. Because the languages were also developed. Does that, mean, really does, that mean, does that mean he was a cunning linguist? Oh, no. oh my god. Not, oh, okay, so Creepy Jar. Creepy Jar. Also, J.R. Tolkien did have um, a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> wow. His wife was obviously happy. <laughs> okay, so the creepy chair is filling up rapidly here tonight. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But but d- didn't he write the like tale of Baron and Luthien about his like wife and how amazing and awesome and beautiful she was? Yeah, they were really deeply they were in love. so cute. They were so he so cute. He had creepy things going on with his mother. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he yes, looked so did. serious. He did, which is why J.R.R. Tolkien is possibly the most interesting personally of the Inklings, although he's really not the best writer. He's not, but didn't he also worked for a dictionary? No, that was, um, that was Charles Williams. Are you sure? Charles Williams. Tolkien's first civilian job after World War I was at the OED. Bam! Wikipedia. Okay. Charles Williams worked there too, that's how they met. Maybe I'm making stuff up again. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're trying not to wake make stuff up. That's that's the whole thing. It's been seven years since I took my class on this. <laughs> and I still bit. know more than you. <sighs> oh, bam! Snap. Uh. Hey, hey, Carolyn Collette, if you're out there listening to this podcast, shout out to you. <laughs> that was my professor. She's gonna knock my grade down by like a half. <laughs> Your GPA is gonna like go down like five years after you graduate just just for this podcast. So so just to recap, Tolkien can't write. It says Zombrarian. We welcome the torch-bearing mobs. But he did like to have children with his wife. Well, okay. he had a great plot and very 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 phenomenal world building skills he introduced many of the things we know today as tropes in fantasy (laughs) (laughs) but he could not Sid Meier seriously (laughs) he couldn't write well okay well we can at least agree he's a terrible poet absolutely abysmal poet okay but Dom if you to go back like 10 conversations now if you had read Lord of the Rings you would know there's some crazy sexual tension between Samwise and Frodo and that came from Sean Astin being in the Ninja Turtles so let's get back to that yeah okay so let's let's just (laughs) wow that 
is a world-class tangent. How did we get there from here? Tension in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle universe. Damn you, April O'Neil. Donatello and Leonardo had some mad-ass sexual tension. Is this what we're hearing? I always felt like Splinter and April O'Neil had sexual tension. Well, yeah. Like, as a kid, I was, like... The little April O'Neil action figure and the Splinter action figure were always dating. <laughs> she was never dating one wait, of the Wait, 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 wait. I'm just thinking, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle internet porn. Like, they it both pretend a- to fertilize the same eggs? Like, oh how my do you do that? Like, and now, and now Kevin Eastman wait, will never whoa, be whoa, back whoa, on whoa, the whoa. show. Rihanna? <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. I am a huge fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I gotta say, I am putting $200 in the creepy jar right now. (laughs) Because that image of April and Splinter, um, really freaking me out. (laughs) Like, you don't don't put money in the creepy jar. If I creep you out, I have to put the money in the creepy jar. How would the biology biology of Ninja Turtles slash fiction work? It wouldn't. Turtles don't like have sex. I'm They're so mutants. They obviously never mind. Because God knows we won't get them on again. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I think we would. I think he would discuss this with us. We should get him up. I think he would explain to us how that would work. Wait, wait, wait. Um, who who is the guy who started the Alphorn Cooper? Was that Cooper? The Alf, the the Alf in Jennifer Lopez. Oh, oh Cooper. Yeah. All right, yeah. we have to schedule a show with Cooper and Peter <laughs> or, or Kevin, either one. Kevin. Either, Kevin. either one. I would take Peter. Either one. That's what she said. <laughs> and there goes the creepy Holy jar. Holy crap! Creepy jars among. <laughs> The creepy jar is overflowing tonight. <laughs> I have a brain jar mystery machine with all the money going in the brain, the creepy jar tonight. I mean, we're going to be able to afford hotel suites at all the shows. <laughs> we're going to buy lunch both days of a convention. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> wow. What? What is this? <laughs> well, we are celebrating things that are banned, so there we go. Yes, we are. We're t- we're talking about this episode. All your Wait, are, are you be- talking about the peanut butter recall now? I'm confused. No, what we're talking about is things that are banned or things that we'd like to forget. I'd like to bring in Colin Farrell at this point. <laughs> I'd, for- I'd like to forget. It, is Colin he on Farrell. the line? Of course. Okay. I would like to always remember Colin but, Farrell, but not in this. Yeah, Col- Colin Farrell would like to forget Total Recall? So, <laughs> just, let's all help him. Just what like What's-Her-Name wants to forget Rocky Horror. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty Brandon. much the He was, uh, he, uh, was interviewed on the Huffington Post, which is kind of not an interview, but it's an interview. And <laughs> he says, you know, you get 150, 200 people together, and it's kind of disappointing when they work together for six months and it doesn't find an audience. And it doesn't really find anything. Well, like his uh, role in Daredevil? Oh! Like the Daredevil movie from the very beginning. Or, yeah. in this uh, case, right. uh, you know, when the nicest review I read of Total Recall's reboot was lifeless. 
Yeah, and you know, Philip K. Dick, if, if you're going to tackle a Philip K. Dick script, it's you've got a lot list. to live up to. You can't yes. just do a standard action flick. Yes. Well, you can. You can, but it ends up with looking like but this. But it's oh. like making an Asimov story a children's movie, so... Yeah. So, I robot with about wolves. that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was talking about. Anyway, uh, good so, job, you got it. it. Nice. And, and if that isn't bad enough, Michael Bay has announced uh, his supervillain plan on world domination. So uh, apparently, Transformers Four and Five are a go. Why? Unless you give him yeah, I will one hundred million dollars. That's it? Are you sure? A billion? What I want to know is, why are people going to see this? Um, Megan Fox's boobs. I remember everyone, uh, when the second Transformers movie came out, they're like, D are you going to go? I'm like, no, I, I saw the first one. I hated it. Why would I see the sequel? Oh, Megan yeah, well, I Fox's felt the same way, boobs. but I saw the sequel. Well, how was it? It was worse. Well, then why and did then you the, give him your money? And then Megan the third Fox's one came out. Boobs. Well, yeah, but there really aren't any, and it's really not a reason to go see the movie when there's internet porn. But people so think there might be, and that's why they're going. Oh, God. Oh, oh, it's, you know what it is? It, it's, like people, it's like people who read X-Men comics after 1982, <laughs> and they're like, wow, oh, the last 150 issues have sucked at $3 an issue, but maybe the <laughs> next one will be good. Nope, it's not. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, X. Yo. For every week in the past month or so, we've been talking about a Kickstarter project. Yeah, and you, you found a really cool one this week, didn't you? Yeah, I did, actually. It was Things we don't want banned. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. And if Norman Spinrad was on the show tonight, he would approve. That's right. Oh, my God. his He would be lifting his skirts in a dither, let me tell you, because... <laughs> visual. There's a Kickstarter oh, project right really now. <laughs> Star Trek Renegades. A film to be directed by Tim Russ, who will be reprising his role of Tuvok. Walter Koenig is in it Woo! as Admiral Chekhov. Woo! Robert Woo! Picardo will be in it playing the character that Robert Picardo will play. <laughs> and there are a sort of <laughs> people that I can't be bothered to look up, but this is a pretty cool-looking cast, and they say they're looking for, like, what is it, 0.1% of the budget of the last Star Trek movie? Correct. That's I a very low percentage. Guys, that is, you know, Walter Koenig is someone who definitely knows good sci-fi. He's very passionate. He's, he's often said that, you know, he, he does Star Trek just to, for a paycheck, but for something like this, this you can tell this is not a paycheck movie for him. This is something that he's very passionate about. And he's a friend of um, um, my whole idea just went out of my head. Harlan! <laughs> he's a friend of Harlan's! That's it. Of Harlan yes, Ellison. Definitely a friend of Harlan Ellison's. Yeah. yeah. So, Star Trek Renegades I mean, this is some one of those things where you, the higher you go, you can start to have characters named after you. Woo! You can insert yourself into the Star Trek timeline, depending on how much money you give. So, uh, 
definitely check out the link we'll have on our website. And here's 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 the cool thing that I think uh, will work. They're hoping that CBS will look at this as part of a new series, as kind of a uh, promo or a uh, pilot for a new series. If, in fact, CBS passes on it, they are going to distribute it in a non-profit mode. Yay! But it will be a feature-length movie on a budget of less than $150,000. They've been up for one day. One day? Yeah, one day. And they're already at over $10,000. Nice. Nice. Now, the, the other cool thing about this is that the minimum pledge is a buck. And each of the pledges uh, jump from a buck to 10 to 25 to 50. The highest pledge is a $5,000 pledge. And there's some cool, no, I'm sorry, there are actually the bigger ones. There are two $10,000 pledges. You can get your, <laughs> you can be a fleet admiral for $10,000, which I think is cool. And you get this ship named after you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I gotta say, Becky's, here's your chance. What I like, what I, I'm interested in is the fact that they said if they're successful, they're going to also produce future episodes since they have a five year story arc planned. So this is not just a simple let's blow stuff up once in a lifetime thing. This is like an ongoing storyline that's going to enhance the Roddenberry universe. So this isn't a Michael Bay kind of deal? Is that what you're saying? I'm, well, I don't know. It may be that Transformers 4 and 5 are going to be good. Maybe you should go see him. I think I'll I, I would, but, you know, I have to comb my hair. It's my night to buff the cat. Not a problem. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, tonight being the Wheel of Fish episode. Uh, and originally it was because uh, we didn't have a guest. <laughs> So that normally we name the episodes after guests, and it would have been nominally the Christy Peterson Schoonover uh, episode tonight. But Christy's already had an episode named after her, and we didn't know she was going to be on until tonight. So I nominally named tonight's episode TalkCast 153, the Wheel of Fish episode. And the Wheel of no. Fish is a very special wheel in which, if you can, the lucky listener identify, correctly identify where the phrase Wheel of Fish came from, you will win a special prize. You must respond with an email to the dome at sci-fi-co.org. In the event of a tie, who the hell knows what we'll do, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> Stop looking on Wikipedia. The winner will receive a Deadpool print by Sarah Richard, and a signed numbered edition of Danger Boy by Jason Carmella and Craig Shepard. So, there's something to win. And all you have to do is send an email to the dome at scifico.org with your answer to, where does the phrase Wheel of Fish come from? Enjoy, kids, and we'll see what happens, which brings us to the halfway point of the show, in which we talk about this week's poll. Wow, that seemed to go wow. fast. Yeah, we've been doing this for half an hour, kids. <laughs> that was really. See what happens when you let a bunch of knowledgeable readers just mouth off about books. That's what. Yeah, no shit, huh? 
<laughs> okay, so so I thought I was trying to think of a poll question, and I thought because it's September and we have a number of our listeners who are teachers, that in their honor we would ask, "Who is your favorite sci-fi teacher?" Oh, oh, oh! Ray Walston in that Star Trek Next Generation episode. No. Well, you didn't add it. I'm just saying. I just added it now. Well, you can't. Okay. So there. You so that I, I figure out how they ended up there in the first place. Well, we had a bunch of different ones, and we had people who started just throwing all kinds of of different names up there. So, but we have a top three. And we don't have any ties this week, which is the first time in a, in a couple weeks. We have no ties. So, at number three, perennial favorite, Professor Charles Xavier, Professor X, headmaster of Professor yes. X's School for Gifted Children. And uh, recently deceased in the comics, uh, uh, plan on, on being dead at least until the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the way the comic books work. Nobody's ever dead forever. That he, but I thought he was just disappeared. They and killed then, him back in the '60s, and he came back. I mean, he's he's come he's done this a few times. All right. So, and number two is da 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 da, da Doctor Henry Jones Jr. Indiana Jones. Okay, I'm not thrilled with that one, but um, why not? Indiana Jones is awesome. Science fiction? Oh, please. The man oh, reached the into someone's the chest movie, and ripped the their movie, heart out. Sci-fi series. They all are. <laughs> oh, They're my all God. super, super genre movies. Don't even start with me. They open oh, the yeah. Ark of the Covenant and the Nazis all melt. Spoilers. <laughs> I love how you said that and then go spoilers after. <laughs> I feel like if you don't know the end of Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, of Raiders oh. of the Lost Ark, you're in trouble with your life. No. I don't know. I still want to figure out how to write "I love you" on my eyelids. That's right. You have a friend do it. That's <laughs> Not that I know that or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and the big winner was. And the big winner, which we're already having flack from everybody about, is Yoda. Uh. <laughs> see, now, see now, I put Von Helsing down. I mean, and I was surprised that there was only my vote. You'd think there'd be at least one more person who would have voted Von Helsing. Well, See, I would have gone for the brown coat bump and said the teacher that keeps stabbing River Tam in the forehead in Serenity. <laughs> oh! <laughs> she's my favorite because she's all like calm and happy and then she stabs you in the face. <laughs> Literally. And that's how I feel when I'm going to Walter Bishop did not get any more votes than that. I know. I was. I was. I can't believe I couldn't remember Walter when I was putting it down, and then somebody added it, and I was very happy about it. And then nobody else wanted to vote for him. I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like uh, whoever... that's because in the show he's not really a professor anymore. He's a researcher and a scientist. Yeah. And so when I think of I... him, I think scientist before. Well, somebody he's actually. What about Indiana Jones? He's more of an archaeologist than. A yeah, but no, that but first he's... scene is awesome. Yeah, he's he's firmly established as a professor in the series. It's well, yeah, but 
some goofball wrote down Doctor Who, and I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Well, they keep going back to those that two-part episode where he was a teacher. No. But he didn't have his memory then. I agree. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that's what the argument has been. When and, it's the yes, and he was a teacher and the one that brought back Sarah Jane and Canine. Fine. Was he no, a teacher it in that one or was he just running around the school? No, he was a teacher he running around the children. school. Remember, he I was standing up there going, physics, physics. Oh, right. Physics. Because he forgot his lines. And so they just said, <laughs> ah, David, just keep going. It's brilliant. You know. So X has some bitterness about that episode. I <laughs> <laughs> think we need to look into that. Delve deep into your psyche or something. So anyhow, next week we're going to have a better one or a different one or another one or whatever. Are you trying of to? We'll have a new poll coming Are you up. trying to censor me? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I suppose we could. Right. Which brings us to the second half of our show, in which we talk to author and newlywed Christy Peterson Schoonover. Christy, welcome to the show. Christy, yay, Paul. Hello. How are you guys? Uh, we're drunk, but how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm getting there. I'm actually going slower than you since I've been drinking for like the last three weeks. I decided I'd take a break tonight, <laughs> slow it down. <laughs> and you've been drinking for the last three weeks because you're a newlywed. Congratulations. Wait, Yay. don't say it one yeah. more time. Oh, no, I'm going to say it about 50 more times because having <laughs> I think you guys make a great couple and uh, you're a hell of a lot of fun to be with. And Thank congratulations. You. Thanks. We had a lot of fun. It was a very, very magical wedding. Um, no disasters except that the um, the topper fell off the cake as I apparently was walking down the aisle. And <laughs> fortunately, yep, and scored the whole front end of the cake. The whole front Aww. of the cake had a big, huge line in it. But my wedding planner ran out and grabbed one of my very creative friends who said, oh, my God, I have this these blue crystals in my car, and we'll just... Um, cover the whole cake in blue crystals and nobody will know the difference. And so when nice. I walked in and saw my cake, I was like, is that the cake I ordered? <laughs> <laughs> Not like I cared. I didn't care, but I was like, that doesn't look like the cake I ordered. <laughs> they didn't tell me until afterwards. Um, Always the yeah. best plan. So, so you got married underground. Well, not exactly. We got we actually got married above ground because we got married at Howe Caverns, which is a wonderful tourist attraction in upstate New York. They have a charming little motel, uh, like a twenty-four room motel that was built in the, you know, late nineteen twenties or late thirties. So it's very like that classic old, you know, roadside type of motel that on the property. Classic motel look to it. I'm sorry? Don't. Bates Motel. Be nice. It was her wedding. Actually, no. You know what? Yeah. The, the flat, you know. Yeah. No, it kind of does we know look like Christy. that, actually. <laughs> Wait, for I'm, Christy, but, um, that's a compliment, though. Absolutely. Yes, I know. It was very cool. It was really cool. And um, our guests, uh, it was a whole weekend. And our guests got the chance to go zip lining. They got to take the cave tour. We were married on the patio overlooking the valley, which was you know, beautiful. The view was just so gorgeous. They can only safely have about 12 people in their underground wedding altar. 
So if you're doing any more than 12 people, you really want to have it um, above ground, which is fine because the property is lovely. I mean, you're just not going to get prettier than that. And there's a million places you can do it on the property. Um, and it's just very charming. In fact, we got married in front of a natural driftwood arch that, that Howe Caverns owns um, that they had made. It was driftwood from the Hudson River, I believe. It was beautiful, done in that very Adirondack style. And the old-fashioned scenic viewers that you put the quarter into. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and they were, like, apologizing. They're like, we can't take those out. And I'm like, no, I don't want them out. Like, that's part <laughs> of the fun of getting married at a little attraction, you know. If I wanted those out, I wouldn't be doing it here. Um, but they were wonderful. <laughs> the staff was wonderful, and the staff was dancing with us toward the end because they're just such a cool bunch of people, and it was really great. So we had a good time. Yay. And from there, you spent a week in your favorite place in the universe, didn't you? Yes, I did. Walt Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dapper and Nathan had the Dapper Dans. He sang like with the Dapper Dans on Main Street, and he surprised me. And I was just, of course, crying the whole time because it was like so amazing Aww. and magical. Yeah. Um, somebody got it on video, and all you can hear is me crying. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yeah, we had a wonderful time and, um, you know, now we're back and we have gifts to open and, uh, my house is kind of still like in and out because there's a lot of people who came from far away that are in the area. So they were like visiting other friends when we were away and now they're all stopping back here before they fly home. So I've still got a few days of craziness ahead of me, but it's, it's all good. Nice. But that would be different how. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's just a different... <laughs> and I was going to say, you're all invited to my Lord of the Rings party that we're having in May. Awesome! <laughs> Except for me, oh. because I think J.R.R. Tolkien was a terrible writer, right? Oh, <laughs> come on. You still enjoy it. I do. I love it. And it's such a good plot. It couldn't... Poor man. It makes me sad. Anyway. <laughs> he tried so, so hard. Really excellent writer. I was looking at the list of um, the top 100 most challenged books um, this afternoon, or at least according to this, uh, at least according to the Modern Library, um, I was looking at the top 100 because I wanted to see how many banned books I had actually read or challenged books I had actually read. The good, well, the kind of not really impressive news, considering I'm a writer, is I've only read 30 of them. However, the impressive news is I read all 30 of those before the age of 14, thanks to my dad. <laughs> nice. Very yeah. nice. He's like, why don't you read Lady Chatterley's Lover? The writing is amazing. I was like, okay, you know, 13 years old. I'm going, Dad, what is a phallus? <laughs> <laughs> At which point he handed me the dictionary and said, look it up. <laughs> So the the whole point of uh, Band Book Week is it's the holiday for um, the American Library Association. And several other um, associations. I don't want to take their steam away just because the ALA happens to be my association of choice. Um, the American Book... Um, American Booksellers Association, a bunch of different publishers associations. I think if you look at the list on the ALA website, I think there are 
20 some odd different um, associations and groups that all work together to do Band Book Week. It's a huge deal. Nice. So we thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of look at that list and see what our favorites were of the past 10 years. I thought it was interesting that Mein Kampf is not on the list. Yep, mine, uh, it's important to remember that uh, this list is compiled through reported challenges, which means um, teachers, librarians, uh, some booksellers, not many, and publishers all collect reports of when someone calls and says, I want this book removed from the school, from the library, from whatever. Um, and they report that to an over one of the overseeing organizations. They compile all of those, and um, that's how they get the list. This year there were, I think, I'm going to double-check the number right now. Bear with me. In, in 2011, there were only... 326 challenges that were reported. Because um, no one uses libraries anymore. <laughs> thanks, Kriana. Well, who reads physical books anymore? And are you really likely to run all the way to the library to challenge the ebook that you got from there? Not really. Actually, there are groups that get together and ev and they go into the library one at a time, one day after the other, and challenge books because they think that it's a numbers game. Because um, that's ever so effective. It's not very effective, but people do it. <laughs> um, can I ask Sombrari, does that include when a book, uh, when parents ban a, get a book banned in a school, like a high school or something? If the school reports it. Um, okay. A lot of schools do report challenges and bans. Um, a lot of times, though, what happens with books is that they're not actually banned. They're challenged... Um, and teachers and librarians and administrators actually work hard to defend the right of people, everybody really, to read these books. And they say, if you don't, if you're a parent and you don't want your child to read this book, we'll work something out. But yeah. you can't say that for other people's children or for other adults who might want to come into the library and grab one of these books. Mm. So it's, it's really a yay for people who are working against banned books. I'm so, you know, it, it gets me so upset. It's like people who watch something on television and they're like, they, they go out of their way to get something banned. And it's like, do you know how to change your channel? Yeah. It's not and it's your... even easier to put a book down than it is to avoid a television show. It's like, don't tell me I can't read something just mm -hmm. because, or watch something, or whatever, just because you don't want to. Mark I Twain remember. once said that, that I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember, but he said something like, censorship is like... Uh, saying that no one can eat steak because a baby can't chew it. Yeah, yeah mm. exactly. I mean... Well, and just... I think, too, a lot of it is... It, it. I mean, when you are a parent and you have a child, it is your responsibility to raise that child 
to the way in which you deem appropriate. It is not the school's responsibility to raise your kid. That's and unfortunately, right. this is what I'm this is what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing or from reading news reports. You know, it's it's the these some of these parents and and at least from what I'm reading are I'm seeing a very subtle shift where it's almost like, well, I'm sending my child to school I expect them to do my job for me. And it's not quite as subtle as you might believe either. It's fairly overt yeah. at this point. To yeah. be fair, legally, in um, for some things, schools do stand in local parentis when, which means in place of parents, it's a legal term. Um, in case you in don't some, speak Latin. In case you don't speak Latin, um, but it. In some ways, they are supposed to be raising kids while the kids are there, but it's mostly for issues of safety. Mm -hmm. Right. And not for things like, your kid can't read this book that we used to assign for class, but somebody got nightmares. So we had to ban it. Thanks, Goffstown, New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, I wasn't gonna name well, any names. Wow. I went there in Goffstown, New Hampshire. Someone challenged the Hunger Games being in the school at all because their child read it and got nightmares. No, oh, I have. I've never been prouder. <laughs> That's nowhere near where the dome lives. Absolutely nowhere not. <laughs> They're eleven-year-old child. They handed this, their 11-year-old the Hunger Games, apparently without looking at the, like, without even reading a, the summary on the back cover first, and then decided that no one's children should be able to read it. Sorry, I get angry about um, book challenges, I I but I feel like they are actually, if you think logically, they are also pretty good, because... Let's face it, you put a bunch of books out and say, these books were challenged for violence and sexuality. And <laughs> Sounds like my summer reading list. Yeah, yeah, and everyone wants to read them. Sounds like good PR to me. Yeah, I don't really. Know. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, it's uh, true. Just... You know, I go back to, uh, and this was not, when I was in middle school, and this is like, you know, my father always used to tell me, there's no greater word than the word no. When mm -hmm. I was in middle school, we were not allowed to chew gum. If you got caught with it, you were in a lot of trouble. Therefore, there was gum stuck everywhere, under the desks, mm -hmm. under the seats, on the floors, in the bathrooms, you I know, all this stuff. That. Yep, and then we got to high school. I, you know, uh, ninth grader, we get to high school and they go, we can chew, you can chew as much gum as you want, we don't care. You know, know, there was never it. gum anywhere. Yep. Right. Because all of a sudden they were allowed to do it. So, you know, you're talking to a bunch of children here. When you say no, they're going to try to figure out a way to get around it. Because that's fun for them. Or at least that's what I used to do. The more my parents said no, the more I was like, yeehaw, I'm going to figure out a way to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, the second they said, Christy, we don't care. It was like, well, okay, well, then why am I going to go out of my way to try to challenge you? Because I think that's what kids do. They're trying to find their boundaries. They're trying to figure out how much they can get away with. Yep. I mean, at least in my experience growing up. All children have oppositional boundary. defiance disorder. It's the product of being a child. Yep. <laughs> yeah. so you're I a teenager. You're normal. Good job. 
<laughs> like I was allowed to watch on TV whatever I wanted when I was a kid, however late at night. But I was only allowed one hour a day. So that hour, I did not waste on junk. It could have been there anything. I could have been watching porn for an hour. I, trust me, my parents <laughs> did not care. But they were like, you get an hour. So whatever you choose for that hour had better be well thought out and it better be a good choice for you. And so therefore, I didn't watch a lot of junk growing up because I was like, oh my God, I only get one hour. But they never told me not to watch anything. So, you know, maybe I'd watch something that, you know, was kind of pornographic or a little too adult or I wouldn't understand it. And I'd go, well, why do I want to watch this? I don't understand it. I'd rather spend my hour on something that I'm really going to get something out of. So you watched a lot of F Troop. I did. I actually watched a lot of I was going to say you watched a lot of G.I. Joe. I watched a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Hardy Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Hour. Oh, Oh, I was really into that. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And In Search Of. In Search Of. (laughs) Double episodes on Channel 11. Um, My parents had to sit me down and make me watch TV when I was... I think 11 or 12 and I chose to watch uh, the Nick at Night reruns of the Partridge family. Awesome. <laughs> oh. So I can't on, say that I had, I had really good taste in TV then. <laughs> hey, there was a lot of good stuff on TV in the seventies. Don't knock it. The Brady Bunch. It had its moments. It definitely had its moments. No question about it. So, did we come up with some books? Oh, yeah. We do have a list. So I'm going to throw out one that's not on the list, because I said I was going to talk about this. I, When I was going through, before I, I got into my current career of, I don't know, being the dead redhead, um, I went to journalism school, and when I was in one of my classes, we did kind of a history of censorship, which I really enjoyed that class. And the very first book in the United States that was ever banned was called Fanny Hill. And it was like a 17th century erotica novel. So, of course, I went out of my way to find it because I'm like, I have got to find the first book that was ever banned. And I read it and I'm like, you know, I doubt if it would raise many eyebrows nowadays back in in little more than dinosaur times. I'm a little younger than Dome, but not too much. Um she didn't and, read my candlelight. <laughs> no. I couldn't read. Yeah, that's right. So, and I, I was like, okay, you know, it, actually, it's not a bad book. It's, it's got an interesting story. And now we have all this stuff, Fifty Shades of Grey, which is, I don't know if it's been banned yet. Has it been banned yet, Zombrarian? Do we know if anybody's um, bothered? It is too new to have statistics okay. on it. I, if I had my guess, I think it's going to show up in the top ten challenged books for 2012 but it has Mm -hmm. not shown it was published after 2011 fanny hill is a much better book if you want to if you want to read some erotica you want to read some really good dirty books go there fanny hill it was about a young girl who gets taken out of her home because her parents die and she becomes a prostitute and it's very interesting and it's it's a decent book, but it's definitely more well written than Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, what about films? What about Booty Call of Cthulhu? How is that? <laughs> oh, Lord. Creepy Jar! Creepy Okay. Tonight. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Moving on, Sombrarian. 
I have two, so- actually, that I I have two from the 2000 to 2009 top 100 list. Go for it. Um, the first one is a series. It's His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman. Um, yep. Phenomenal books. My love affair with them is well known to people who know me. Um, challenged, actually, oddly enough, really often for sexuality. It, interesting it's, choice. Yeah, it's a very interesting choice considering there's not that much there. But Also for witchcraft and anti-religion, but most often for sexuality. Hmm. Um, which is never explicitly stated in the books. Uh. Fun story. Um, it's inferred by the people who are writing these challenges. They have smutty minds! So... Seriously. They don't want to come out and say that they don't like the anti-religion stuff. So it's like, well, there must be smut in there, too. Could must be. be. Yeah. The other book, which They're does polar have bears. Some, I mean, come on. We have to... The other book um, is The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Which you and I fought over prior yeah, to the show. Yeah, we fought hard over that one. Yawn. That one was so boring. Oh, I disagree. That's a great, Phenomenal great book. novel. Brianna doesn't like dystopian books. So she's dismissive of anything she doesn't find interesting. I mean, that's particularly boring even for a dystopia. Come on. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it's a bestseller, of course. No, it's a bestseller because clearly it's on the banned books list. People have oh, smutty okay. minds. That's why it's a bestseller. Okay. Here, which here. is which is which is why your choice is on there as well, isn't it? You know what's a bestseller <laughs> too? Fifty Shades of Grey does not mean it's a quality book. There we go. So, so why is your choice on the list? I forget what my choice was. What was my choice? Was Which it, are you there, God? It's me, Judy? No, your oh. choice... Was are the, you there, God? It's me, Margaret? Yeah, that one. Yeah, By Judy Margaret? Bloom. Whatever. That, that kid's one that's always on the list. <laughs> yeah, but the one that was really bad in the early 80s that we all had to put our brown paper bag covers on was uh. Forever Ugh. by Judy Bloom. Oh, so Anybody remember Forever by Judy Bloom? No. Oh, Flowers in the Attic. I remember when, yeah, yep. the teachers were like, that book can't be in the school. It's, but, yep. I remember that. So, Kriana, what, you, what were you choosing? I forgot what I chose. What did I choose? Well, just pick one now and talk about it. Um. I'll tell you the one you said before we started. Fuck me, Ray Bradbury. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, Rachel Blue, but Ray Bradbury is on the list, though. That's why I said that. Fahrenheit. Ray Bradbury is on the list, funnily enough, often for Fahrenheit 451. Which is really amusing. <laughs> Which is really, yeah. really funny if you think about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, oh, and you should go out and read it so you do know Fahrenheit 451 yeah, no is spoilers. about burning books. Hey, I just said no spoilers. That's on the Brianna, Brianna, weren't you weren't you talking about um, Catcher in the Rye? No, I hated that book. I, yeah, I don't I understand why. I mean, like it, like I don't even understand why people think it has literary merit. Never mind why it's banned. Priyana hates everything. I don't tonight. hate everything. I, I, you know what? A book that I really like that's often on the list: To Kill a Mockingbird. I like that book. Yep, To Kill a Mockingbird. I think has shown up every single year since it was published. But oh, like, but like, Catcher in the Rye. I I read it. I remember distinctly reading it and going, meh. Meh. 
And Harry Potter, I'm, I'm guessing that Harry Potter is on because of quote-unquote witchcraft. Harry Potter's on for witchcraft, for sexuality. Damn for that witchcraft. Violence. <laughs> sexuality. on there for violence. Yeah, there's How much yeah, all that snogging that's going on. There's a lot of making out in the last two or three. Ooh, oh, there's a lot of making out. Titillating. <laughs> so don't use the T word. Careful. Oh, I will use the T word. Okay, oh, Rex, it was, it was Goosebumps. You... Sorry, that was uh, the one that I picked. I don't know why well, that's I've on got... the ban list either, though. Okay, well, I've got two. I can't believe that A Wrinkle in Time is on the list because I can't think of any reason why that book would be banned. It's a fantastic book that encourages kids to think. There's a problem. There's an issue. Yeah, you just answered your own question there, dude. Yeah, there you go. But, I mean, it's a phenomenal novel. I love it. I love the whole series. And uh, the other thing, though, it's I don't think it's on the list, but I do want to just say thank you to my mom because I do remember back in sixth grade we were able to order books from like Scholastic or something Woo! and one of the books that I got to order you, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, you wooed Scholastic? I, <laughs> I know, right? So many books from there where, where do you think like the three quarters of my library as a child came from there? Oh my goodness <laughs> Go ahead, Alex, I'm sorry That's okay, but one of the books that I was allowed to read as a sixth grader was Salem's Lot. So I ordered that. And again, this was made available to kids. You had to pay for it. You know, da 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 da. But the Parent Teachers Association was part of this and they got the list. And my mother was told, she was confronted by the Bedford, New Hampshire PTA. You know, your son is ordering a book that is on our smut list. <gasps> And what congratulations! Kind of, <laughs> what kind of mother are you to allow your child to uh. read a book that is on the smut list? And she says, "I trust my son." The most popular mother on the block, let me tell you. It's <laughs> <laughs> been very great. That's still to this day my favorite Stephen King. It's one of my all-time favorite books. I love that book to death. I just uh, thank you, Mom, for standing up to the to the Bedford moms. Yay! <laughs> Those. Snooty Bedford hey, moms. Yeah. I looked, hey, X, I looked it up for you. Wrinkle in Time was has been challenged because it's too Christian, because it's not Christian enough. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. For witchcraft and the occult, um, undermining authority, I think, I think it's like anti-government. Oh, it very much is. Yeah, it's it's because it's anti-government, um, implying that Christ is not divine, satanic suggestions, sadism. Um, well, Charles Wallace could be a little shit at times. He could. He was a terrible. Tra- no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm going to quickly give you my two, and uh, and uh, then I don't know what we're going to do, but my two very quickly were uh, Brave New World by Huxley. Uh, which is one of the finest dystopian novels ever written, and because of that, probably is the reason it's there. And my and other it's one, on the book list for this year, which I was surprised to see. It's very yeah. I mean, most it's, most of the classics that get challenged a lot were not on the list for this year. In fact, yeah. that was the only one I would consider a classic 
that was on the list this year. And the other one is is Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451, which uh, should be required reading for anybody who's who's uh, a grown up. Along with the Rachel Bloom video, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christy, where do you stand on all this? Where do I stand on uh? This year's list, or last year, or 2010 list, or what? Well, I was very surprised, actually. There was an excellent book that I read years ago um, that turned up on the 2010 list, and since we were having our picks, I wanted to bring it up because it's nonfiction. It's called Nickel and Dimed on Not Getting By in America. And it, it was, yep, it was challenged in 2010, uh, because it was promoting, quote, economic fallacies and socialist ideals. Um, so was a Republican enough? Was, was it Republican enough? Is that what? I'm sorry. I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was only challenged in one school district that I know of. Um, but I just thought it was interesting because the book is excellent. In the book, it's, it's a, um, a journalist, and she spends a year. It, her name is Barbara... Can't pronounce her last name. It's oh, I think Aaron I read Aaron this Reich book or something like that. But anyway, she, right. um, yes, Kriana, you did read it. it yeah, she, she spends her whole life. Um, she for one year, she tries to live on the salary of a dino rate a diner waitress, waitress a a hotel housekeeper, and I believe a house cleaner. Yeah, wow. and she you works know, at maids, Walmart like those companies too, that come in and clean your house. Yeah, 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 and it was just horrible. It, it, it's like. And, for for it's like that expose that that what's his face did on the meat industry, but Morgan Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, it's exactly. very Morgan Spurlock esque. I think it's where he got the idea because she did it first. Did she? Are you sure about yeah. that? Are you yeah. sure? I'm talking yeah. about Morgan Spurlock. I'm talking about the jungle. No, two thousand. two thousand ten was the reprint. It was printed, I think, in two thousand two or two thousand three. I think the, the jungle came yeah, out. Yeah, I read that. it when it first came out, and. Even though I had spent my, you know, in college, I had really struggled to make ends meet as a waitress. Um, this book changed my life. It made me realize that, you know, when I go to hotels, I do leave a huge tip for those people. Like, yep. they're living on bread. You know, it's terrible. There was this one story in there about the woman eating a hot dog bun. And I was very shocked to see this book on the challenge list for 2010 because I was like, no, if anything, everybody in America should read this book so that you don't be cheap when you go to a motel and leave a dollar for cleaning up your mess. Okay, so what I was talking about was actually Upton Sinclair, The Jungle, which was oh, published in yes. 1906. That's Chicago at the at the, um, the animal abattoir. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was yeah, published in 2001, so mine came first. <laughs> yes, Upton Sinclair did come first. That's true. Upton Sinclair was. But it's funny how the same the same yeah. things keep coming up. Yeah, no, you know, it's there's true. like a group of books that'll be challenged because, like the Jungle or like Nickel and Dimed or whatever, it it you know exposes an underbelly or it promotes something. Well, then there's a whole group that are banned because of sexual you know sexuality then there's a whole group that are banned because of it i think if we could find like five or six top topics you could probably pigeonhole every one of these books into one of those like five hot buttons basically yep 
Guaranteed. Things also tend to show up when they get put on summer, lots of summer reading lists or are assigned in lots of classes, which I think is why Nickel and Dimed showed up. I think it started getting assigned for classes in high schools. Um, and things will also show up when they're popular and then fade off. Was the Hunger Games on for 2010? Oh, yes, it yes. Was. The Hunger Games was, it- was on for 2011. It was number three. Okay. I thought it was. I think I thought I remember it being on one of the lists that I saw, but I couldn't remember which year it was. You know, it's not we, in the top one hundred, but it was definitely in the top ten. We could talk about this for for hours and hours because we've all got our little pet peeves on this. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, read for Christ's sake. Read Learn some banned books. Read a banned book over the next month. Drop us a line at Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Let us know what banned book you've read. Maybe you'll win something. Meanwhile, it's it's uh, Wheel of Fish. Wait, wait, wait. Put it, put it on the Facebook. Guys, go Absolutely. ahead and put a comment on Facebook. Let us know. Oh, I know that music. Yes, you X, go for it. Yes. Next <laughs> week's, it's a special event. Our Bloodbath Bonanza with Adam Green, Joe Lynch, Laura Ortiz, and Corey English of Fearnet's original series, Holliston. Colin! <laughs> on October 13th, it's mangaka artist Sarah Mayhew on her skeptical science series, Legend of the Zatar. On October 20th, author Spider Robinson returns for our three-year anniversary show. And on October 27th, con season's not over yet, Sue Soares shares the guest list for this year's Rhode Island Comic Con. Keep an eye out for the Sci-Fi Saturday Night cast at the Rock and Shock Festival in Worcester, Mass. on Saturday, October 13th. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals and original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at robwattsonline.com. Don't? <laughs> wow. Oh, that was weird. Christy Peterson, Schoonover, it's a joy always and forever when you're on the show. The door's always open for you. You're always welcome here. Christy will be at the Rock and Shock Festival in Worcester, Massachusetts, and also at Rhode Island Comic Con. We'll have links to that stuff there, and we'll have links to her new book, and we'll be talking about it and having her back on very shortly. Thank you so much, darling. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. I want to thank the usual suspects with us tonight from the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana and Grammar Girl Zombrarian. Read a banned book, babies. Mine is an evil laugh. <laughs> I can't top that. Thank you, Street X and the Dead Redhead. Engorged Horse Conk. Fee Fi Fo Fum. I'm not even going. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> because this is Dome saying, Genie, shared penis, lesson shared, joy is increased. Thus, we all refute entropy. I know.